You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. The ultimate piece is I wish that I had trusted my lived experience and my intuition and my inner guidance better to actually be what it was and to not let fear or someone else's opinions, any past experiences color my opinion so heavily that it might not have actually been accurate for me. Often in the world of content marketing, we're getting to witness what people did well, what their successes were, their wins, what worked. But I think when we are only getting that message, it leaves behind the beauty and the lessons learned from what we would do differently, what did not work. Well, that's exactly what this episode is about. You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire the brand visibility podcast where we own our values as we amplify our influence. I am your host, India Jackson, and today I am recording on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. I'm also joined by Erica Corday today, who is also recording on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. This land is known to many as the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., and its surrounding area, including Erica's location of Baltimore. I am so excited to chat with Erica Corday today because we've just like been on this journey throughout life of having so many experiences. And I think as both of us got more clear about our values, dare I say that integration of the values might have informed why we would do some of the things that we're going to share with you differently if we had to do them over again today, and also why we're actively viewing some of these things in a different way. So I'm so excited for this conversation. I know you're going to love it. And I mean, my co-founder of Pause and Play, Erica Cray, always has so much to provide here and just knows me so well. So sometimes she brings things out of me that I wouldn't think to talk about on my own. (laughs) But before we get into that conversation, I want to talk to you about something cool that we are doing right now and have on our radar. So if you're anything like me, knowing and being able to share your values is super important to you. It helps you find your right people, be able to discern the red flags, as well as guide your business and marketing strategy. Well, inside Pause and the Play, the community, we are being joined by Helen Tremethic, and she 
is going into some incredible things and bring it home, create a brand statement that represents you. So in this workshop happening very soon, and if you join the community anytime, you'll also get access to the replay video with any resource links and things like that. You're going to get an opportunity to really be able to dig in and be able to create that brand statement. I'm talking about getting away from elevator pitches and fill in the blank stuff and really being able to draft a statement for your business and your brand where you are going to clarify those values. And you're going to be able to apply that statement to your business communications, social media, and bios. You're also going to get some support on preparing for change as your business grows because many times this clarity that can come from these types of statements and having clear language to share where it is that you're coming from can really boost your business and the inquiries and the clarity of who is consuming your content. So whether you already have a brand statement and bio and you're happy with it or you're perpetually considering updating them, this workshop is going to give you the tools that you need to represent yourself and your values genuinely, articulately, and without the ick, sleaze, or grime of the the fill-in-the-blank templates that are out there. You can join us today at Pause on the Play, the community, and you'll find more information over at pauseontheplay.com. That's pauseontheplay.com. Dot com. And once inside the community, you'll be joining us for Bring It Home, creating a brand statement that represents you. And this is complimentary access with your membership. I'm so excited to dig into this because I think, you know, it's easy for us to have lots of conversation about like very like businessy structural stuff, <laughs> given that we own a business together. That. But I think giving people some insights into our lived experience and our decisions is sometimes fun and necessary to dig into. I'm curious to know what is something that you'd like to do differently? As I said that, I got a little nervous because I realized I'm going to have to answer it too. And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) So I'm going to answer this based on something that I am currently doing that I think I may have done differently, but I want to explain why. Cause I, I feel like as soon as I say it, I'm a hit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, I am currently actually no longer going to have my salon space that I had. I'm going to still do a little bit just because I do continue to um, enjoy having my hands in it. No pun intended. However, um, just having that additional physical space was taking time away from me being able to do more of my consulting, more of my pause on the play work. And I really want to put more energy there. And I wish I had done it earlier. I don't wish I had done it in like the past couple of years. I wish I had done it years ago. The reason that I feel that way is because it takes a lot and I didn't necessarily do it because I wanted to truly have a salon. Um, I witnessed a lot of what not to do and some of the things that can go wrong. And so while I don't in any way, shape or form regret being in the industry uh, previously or still currently, like I would still want to do that. 
but having to have a physical space to maintain all of the decision-making and the responsibilities that go into it, um, the limitations that go along with it, because you do have this uh, physical tether, like you're tethered to this place. Um, all of that. Like I wish that I had not had that be something that I had to handle all on my own for as long as I did. Cause there were some points that it was really, really hard. Um, and so I wish that I had given myself the space sooner to do it. Now I don't necessarily know what that would have meant <laughs> in the big scheme of things. Um, you know, to have maybe been somewhere different or what, but I kind of wish that I had continued to do hair, but not had to be responsible for actually being a, you know, person leasing a space that I had to be responsible for it all myself. Right. Um, and for some context, like you also have, well, had people, <laughs> by the time this was released, it'll be had people renting from you as well. And so that's mm -hmm. like a whole nother layer to that. There's a lot of pieces of it, of, you know, having, you know, having booth renters, um, having uh, to be responsible for, you know, somebody's got to clean it. Cause I, I, I wasn't the one that wanted to clean it. You know, I've, I tried that. I'll tell you, yeah, this ain't gonna work. So having to navigate that, you know, bringing in supplies, making sure that things are working. You know, I've, I've literally had, I've had issues like HVAC. Um, so navigating changes like that, um, making sure that, you know, can, can people get in when they need to? Um, is it, you know, accessible, you know, when it snows outside is the sidewalk, um, a liability because it's icy. Yeah. Um, now in a lot of ways it was very supportive for me having it set up the way that it is. I was able to allow my kids to just be in my office when they had to virtually learn and I could still work. So I'm going to acknowledge that there's a lot of privilege there that I was able to benefit from with that. And, you know, it also meant that, I, you know, I had something that I, I, I kind of had to do. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. And as somebody that has recognized that decision fatigue is real, having less decisions that I have to be the person to actually make those, all of them, I am okay to have some things come off my plate and to get some space. Mm. Yeah, as you're sharing, it makes me think about when I decided to no longer do pro photography professionally as like a primary thing. So does that feel like, does it feel like here I can ask you now what your thing is? Because <laughs> I feel like I don't know if this is related, but I, I want to know what you're going to say. And I feel like, mm, you know, where, where are we going? So, yeah, I mean, same question to you of like, you know, what do you, what do you maybe wish that you had done differently, but also start that off by telling me about the, photography thing because that was photography was for you what hair was and is for me photography was a part of your identity I think for a long time a very long time um way before I actually met you at Towson University getting a degree in that well a degree in art and design but <laughs> I digress <laughs> <laughs> anyway I'll say for me um it was I wish that I had I wish I had paused long enough to 
acknowledge and appreciate the things that I provide for other people as a service provider and see where I can preserve some of that for myself. Um, Mm. And so when I think back on that, it shows up in a lot of places. Uh, There's this phrase that you say all the time. um, I don't know where it came from, but it's like the cobbler's kids don't have shoes or something. Yes. (laughs) So I think about that phrase and I wish that like I had noticed that sooner for myself and been more intentional about, you know, why am I even picking up the camera? Why am I picking up the paintbrush? You know, um, is it to get this grade so I can get this paper that nobody's ever going to ask me about whether or not I have it? Or is it, am I actually here for the experience and the journey of learning these new skills, having my hands in the paint, Mm. like literally creating the images? Um, You and I recently were at a university and got to peek in some of the classrooms. And it just reminded me all over like deja vu flashbacks of that experience. And I love the creation of it all. It wasn't to make money. It wasn't uh, for all of these things that we can feel like we need to do to be able to pay our bills. Right. Um, Or the notoriety of being able to say I work with certain companies. I really just enjoyed the process of creating. And so I think one of the things that I've had on my radar now, you know, years later, having closed that business as it was known from then and no longer doing photography for money, of finding that passion and that creativity and preserving moments on my calendar for creative projects just because I want to do them. So I have a question for you, and it's something that's related to um, a truth for me, and I'm curious if it's accurate for you, um, because it does relate back to values and how you know, I kind of realized that I was given a value that, you know, hard work is how you make money. Um, Input equals output. You know, if you don't work, you're not going to make any money. And part of what came up for me was that I also have spent so much time in an industry that was all based on you having to physically do something and provide a service in order to get compensated for it. Um, And me really kind of really pushing back against the fact of, you know, so are you telling me that if I don't physically use my body, that it's not work, that I won't be compensated? So that was another one of those things that came up for me in some of these shifts that I've experienced over a few years. And I'm wondering if, you know, from a truth or a values perspective, has that played a part in any of this for you? I mean, absolutely. Uh, I'll say for me, I've always valued connecting with other people. And also whether I, I don't think I really understood that when I was younger, you know, in my twenties and teens. Um, but realizing the connection with myself is important too. And so for me, the creativity process, especially when it extended out into makeup artistry, being a professional makeup artist or photography, those acts involved other people. And so it was being able to connect with people. Um, I'm sure you can relate to this being a salon owner, but uh, when you're doing someone's makeup, you know, they're telling you their stories. They're telling you about what happened at their job and their lived experiences. Mm -hmm. So you're connecting with them 
but also there's a certain amount of connecting with yourself required for anything creative, in my opinion, Um, especially when those acts are then happening as well solo. So doing the makeup on myself or doing self-portraiture. And so for me, uh, realizing that like I got into this because of that value of connection and sharing of platform, sharing of access, sharing of knowledge and resources and things like that. But I mean, we live in a capitalist society where we have literally have bills that we have to pay or we're going to get evicted. And growing up with the rhetoric of hustle culture of like, it has to be hard did play into honestly at times like intuitively knowing how to do something in a very easy way and then feeling like I needed to overcomplicate it (laughs) to justify what I was charging for it. That I I do think that's the thing. And this is where I guess it's been, I find that it's a journey to obviously witness things for yourself of what you've done and what you're doing now and what you want to do going forward. But also, you know, when you're in a position to support um, and or consult people when it comes to what they're doing in their lives, what they're doing in their business, you know, how it is that they make money from it. Um, Being able to really recognize where uh, hustle culture shows up, where the lack of ease and you wanting to shift that can show up um, where old narratives need to be unlearned and you know what do you want to relearn in its place because unlearning still leaves a hole like what do you put there um, it's interesting to me how prevalent that is kind of for both of us from what you know what what we're sharing yeah and I'll say for me um, the word that comes to mind right now in that decision is reclamation as well like mm. how can I reclaim? some of these things that were a part of, you know, capitalism and bill paying and hustle (laughs) for myself. And just because I want to, Um, I'm currently, you know, having to uh, navigate and getting to navigate decorating a home and figuring out where we want things to go. And as I'm looking at the empty walls, I'm like, oh, well, I could create what goes on that wall. Right. (laughs) And realizing that, you know, that requires making the space to do it, Um, but also the joy that can go into making the space to do that. The interesting thing is, and I've, I've, it's come up before um, and it came up again in a podcast episode that I actually recorded earlier this morning and it's around capitalism. And I want to make sure that there's this, it's something I want to make sure that I am repeating so that it's clear what my perspective is on it, but also for my own integration and that. Capitalism itself is a structure. Mm -hmm. Capitalism becomes problematic based on who is using it for problematic means or through problematic means. And so if you are doing something in a way or for an outcome that is not equitable or is downright harmful, that's where the problem comes in. Capitalism is is not necessarily the problem. This is where, you know, for me, I'm finding that it's it's become more and more important to make sure that people are taking responsibility for where they are using a system in problematic ways, as opposed to offloading the responsibility to the system being problematic. I appreciate that. And I'm just going to be real. Sometimes for me, that thing of being aware of and would have done differently like, is recognizing when was I 
subscribing to the concept that there is no just because creativity, that Mm -hmm. I am here as a human machine designed to produce things that can then be used for some type of gain, whether that's financial gain, resellability, gifting purposes. Right. (laughs) But if there isn't some, you know, um, exchange purpose of this, then it doesn't have value and it shouldn't take up space and time in my life. The interesting thing is I've experienced that and I've experienced doing labor, emotional, physical, mental, or otherwise, that I would downplay as if it wasn't worthy of being paid for. Oh, can we talk about that? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So I feel like second thing that I would do differently, um, I know we're going a little out of order, but it just makes sense to say it now, is I would have valued my lived experience and my emotional labor sooner yeah. because my entire history of owning a business, which has been since 2008, I think, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> I was providing consulting and not charging for it. Yeah. I would have done that differently. Um, I would have valued the value that comes from the clarity and the strategy being provided before you ever create something. Right. When it comes to business and having a brand, there are a lot of rules and so-called right ways to do things that we're told are just how it's done if we want to be successful. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can choose to do things differently. And Erica Corday has interviewed Brooke Monaghan on exactly that. They're digging into how to begin to differentiate what narratives are yours and which ones aren't, why we need to decouple success and sacrifice, and how embodying your values combats hustle culture. So I'm going to encourage you to open up the app that you're currently listening to this podcast from and do a quick search for Pause and a Play. And once you find the Pause and the Play podcast, you're going to click on the episode to queue it up next. That is called Getting Comfortable Breaking the Rules of Business with Brooke Monaghan. I can guarantee you're going to love it. Now back to the show. There is immense need and value in being able to learn from the experiences of someone else that support you and not making mistakes just because you feel like you need to fumble through it. And that value is worth being compensated for. But the narrative that I and many people that I have encountered in my life has been working with your brain isn't necessarily worth the same as working with your body. Yes. And so understanding that having that insight, that foresight, that ability to strategize, that desire to, you know, create something different is really, really, really important. That ability to think outside of the box is really, really important. Well, one of the things that comes to mind from what we were just talking about is that I don't know if you could like 
I don't know how to place it as a value, mm-hmm. but this is something that you and I have been talking about privately, Erica, of, of re-auditing our own values for our brands, um, is that I truly do believe that there's immense power and just transformation and evolution that happens when people have access to feeling confident about who they are, um, about their abilities, about what they know, what their experiences are, how they show up in the world. Um, But not just confidence, but feel like the next level of that, that they are proud of what that is. They're super proud of it. And they desire or at a level where they can flaunt that if they choose to. And so when I think back on those things, um, I think, how does that play into the consulting, the (laughs) emotional labor, the coaching, you know, that even some people may be providing from different backgrounds. And I think for me, I would have taken more pride in what I know and and what I'm able to help people with beyond just the end result. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is, is that this actually loops back and makes me think about what I think I would have done differently. And while I think it played out in one specific area that I can think of, I think it shows up in a lot of areas for me. So for a long time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids or not because I was afraid to not be a good mother. And so I did not have my oldest until I was 32. And because of that, I... I I wish I maybe had started earlier. Now, life may not have let me have been able to do that. However, I think I would have started earlier because a large part of why I didn't for a long time was because of the fear of not doing it well. But I've also recognized that this comes from any, you know, fear that shows up in a lot of places, not just one, but just having this fear of I'm not going to do this well that would keep me from embarking on things that maybe I actually wanted or enjoyed. And I somehow told myself I didn't. And so I wish that I had the ultimate pieces. I wish that I had trusted my lived experience and my intuition and my inner guidance better to actually be what it was and to not let fear or someone else's um, opinions, any past experiences, color my opinion so heavily that it might not have actually been accurate for me. Uh, that's a powerful share there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I, I think what happens when people, especially when people are, are marginalized um, and under, you know, underserved and undersupported, you don't trust your own truth. That's hard. Yeah. I've had the same fear. So <laughs> Well, I just think it's like, you know, we've done things, we've learned things, we've lived some life and you're still like, man, I don't know. And I, I use the kids because it's a, it's a, it's a tangible example. But I mean, again, going back to the first thing I talked about, you know, letting go of my salon sooner um, and just not having that, that physical building, you know, like, uh, you know, what does that mean? If I'm not a business owner anymore, if I let this go, um, you know, what if I had done fill in the blank throughout my life? Like there, I can think of multiple times that it came up, but it all boils down to 
me trusting that nobody else knows my truth better than me. Yeah. I wonder, like, and the answer may be no, but did you find that anything along the way has supported you in trusting yourself more or uh, following your intuition and doing the thing, even if you're not quite sure if you're going to do it well? (sighs) Failing. And not failing in a way that like, oh, this is horrible or awful, but maybe it didn't go the way that I planned that it was going to go. It didn't go the way that I thought um, it should have gone or the way that I thought I wanted it to go. It played out differently. And then I had to redirect. Um, I've kind of recognized for myself that part of where I think um, I do well is not necessarily the, uh, the, the, the doing of the thing or the being done with the thing. It's the being in the middle and figuring it out. This like, okay, so what are the options and what are we going to do and what's possible? And, you know, let's kind of navigate. doesn't mean that those other areas that, you know, I don't, I don't have successes or I don't thrive. It's just that that what some people can call the messy middle, like of actually being in action, not the messy middle of like, it's happening to me. But like that place of being able to just try to figure out like, okay, what can happen? Um, A lot can happen there. I I hate to say it, but there was absolutely a point in my life where I can recognize that I thrived in chaos because somehow it was a motivator. It was something that propelled me because I was just like, I'll be damned if I'm going to sit and deal with this. And it would go push me to go do something else. Now, are there times that it immobilized me? Absolutely. But having things not work out partially showed me that, okay, and you're still here. It, it, it wasn't fatal. It wasn't fatal to anyone else. You can do something else. You can make another choice. Something else is possible. You know, you, you have other options. And when you feel like you have to make decisions and those are the decisions that you have to live with for the rest of your life. And then you recognize that you made decisions and they didn't work out for the rest of your life and you can still choose other things, that opens up a lot of opportunities and it changes your mindset. Yeah. It's funny because before you had given your response, I was thinking like acknowledging how much I've survived. Right. Like just pausing and looking back, not from a place of like, oh, here's all my trauma porn. No. But like I've survived all of that and I'm still here. So I'm sure I can figure out the next thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And not just here hanging on, like actually exploring what does it mean for me to thrive right now? Like, that's real. Because honestly, some things had to fail because I wasn't necessarily given the rhetoric that thriving was a part of what I had access to. So certain things had to not work. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything else that has contributed to kind of getting to where you are now, where you are actively doing things differently and also are open to even continuing to find new things to do differently? I think curiosity shows up. I think, um, you know, a desire to kind of explore and experiment definitely shows up. I think having people around me that have um, a similar type of, of spark of energy is definitely helpful. 
um, going back to what you said before, like when we were talking about, you know, things that, um, you know, didn't exactly work out. I think realizing that like that wasn't the end all be all. It's like, oh, you know, it's kind of like a little kid when they're like, oh, I fell, but I'm okay. I can do this again. If I fall again, that's okay. So I think I age has given me definitely more wisdom. There's no question, but definitely less fear or apprehension to some things um, than what I had before and a different level of comfort in my own skin, my own um, literal and figurative voice and ability to create impact. Like there's an ownership that I think I can take of what I can do that it took me time to get here. And there's still more to go, but I think that I don't think I had that before in the same way. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned experiments because I feel like that shows up for me a lot. Um, Both in like like day-to-day, I'm going to experiment with this new strategy and just see what happens, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, See how it feels actually instead of just the results, but like, do I like how this feels and do it this way? Um, But I also think about an interview that I had with Donnie Jackson here on the Flying Fire podcast where he talked about, you know, making the decision to like seek out in a way failing spectacularly, because Mm -hmm. if it's something where you can fail spectacularly, it means that you went completely out of your comfort zone. Right. (laughs) And either it's going to be epic or it's going to be an epic failure, but at least you tried. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if, if somebody had five years ago been like, hey, so you have to go through this pandemic and it's racial, uh, racial reckoning. It's going to burn you out. Then you're going to realize like, oh, you real good at talking with people and supporting them and helping them. And when that pandemic comes, that's when it's really going to like, like explode and, and, and blossom in this huge way. And so all the work that you did to get there. You're going to now do this. It's going to be great. And you're going to let your salon go. I would probably be standing in my salon being like, you lying. <laughs> you lying. I ain't get out of here. Right. And so to be like, hey, something, you know, because five years ago, you know, it, it was something that I was, I was, I was working on my, um, coaching program at that point. So it wasn't something that I didn't have an awareness of. But five years ago to have told me that that would be such an impactful way of feeling like I am creating a legacy and that I am going to do more of that and let go of something that I've, as of today, been doing for over 25 years. I'd be like, you lying. I ain't doing it. Why am I going to do that? Why, <laughs> why am I going to let go of something that's tangible? That's that's intangible. That, I would have given all kinds of reasons why that wasn't true. All kinds of reasons why. I'll tell you one thing. If somebody had told you that was going to happen in front of me, I would have started the back end pieces of the Erica Corday <laughs> because it literally just like blew up. And I was like, I don't know what you need help with today. Inbox something. <laughs> Cause this is a lot. It is. I think back to when 
I was pregnant with my first and I remember asking you for some help and you were like, I don't know how you doing all of this stuff. I was own. like, this is your daily to-do list? This feels like a weekly to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, every, you know, then all of my coaching and consulting came in and it was like, oh, wait, um, wait, 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 y'all, hold on. I appreciate y'all and I'm tired. I'm really like, because I was trying to help others. And I wasn't, I wasn't creating the space for myself to process at a very challenging time to be a black woman in America. I didn't do that. And so I know where um, I wasn't caring for myself enough. And so for someone to have kind of laid out for me that that was how this would play out, I, I wouldn't, I mean, but I also would not have at, somebody came to me at 18 Okay, I technically graduated high school at 17. Somebody come to me at 17. Hey, so you're going to own multiple businesses. You're going to have a, a bunch of different people to work for you. You're going to have actually uh, had a physical business for over 10 years. You're going to have worked in places that you you made more money than everybody else that was there. That like you were the star. You are going to create a business that... You using your voice, your ability to connect with people and interact with them and support them in trying to figure out how to be better and how to evolve and how to completely shift what they're doing in their lives and their businesses. And then you're going to partner with your other friend where y'all going to have done stuff together too. And y'all going to create this thing that is going to become an entire entity that you didn't even know it was going to become that has all of these aspects to it. And then you're not going to do that one thing because you got a whole bunch of other stuff coming. I would be like, who? Who doing what? What are you talking about? I would not. And, and you maintain friendships, figuring out a social life, and you're a parent to two children. I would have been like, you lying. You lying. Who doing all of what? And doing it well? I don't know that I would have believed that. Not because it wasn't possible, but it would have felt so far removed from what I was anticipating or expecting at 17. Yeah. I know when we first started this conversation, we're thinking of like, okay, let's share two things each we would have done differently. But I wonder if there's like some bonus underlying things under here of number one, um, honoring our value of like doing something different than the hustle culture rhetoric. Mm -hmm. which really means creating more space for self-care so that we can thrive, which then means everyone else around us and all the impact that we're touching thrives. And then the second piece to me um, might be that other piece of figuring out how do we integrate the impact that we want to have on the world and the changes that we want to make and the transformations and evolution that come with that into every single thing that we touch. One of the number one things that comes up for me, <clears throat> excuse me, and it comes up with anybody that I'm in a relationship with, but I think it often comes up with people that are younger than me. And this is not just about children. This is even about, um, you know, teenagers, early 20s. I mean, y'all, I'm 43. So even in the 30s, it is what it is. Um. <laughs> Which would, I would apply. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think that I 
I wish that I had had somebody to support me in being able to see alternatives outside of what I thought something was, being able to go beyond the the binary. Um, somebody that could share what's possible at a much younger age so that I could experience and, and put some of those things into play before having to figure it out after, after failing spectacularly. You know, I figured out so many things that I know the hard way. And so I want everything that I've experienced and, and learned, you know, in hopes that somehow it will plant seeds that somebody else can reap the benefits of. I was watching, um, what was it called? I don't remember. It was, um, but it was a, a docu-series that I was watching on Netflix. And one of the people they were interviewing said something and it stuck with me. And they said, one of the most important things for me right now is recognizing that I am planting seeds that I won't be here to harvest. But that makes the seeds that much more important because mm. when you know that you are planting something that is for you, I think it resonates very differently. But when you know that you're planting the seeds that are going to harvest long after you're gone, that is, those are the seeds that it was fully selfless. It didn't, it wasn't about you. It was about what's possible. It was about somebody else learning something, somebody else having a different type of awareness, access to a different mindset, um, the, the availability to realize that their reality doesn't have to be as limited as they've been told that it has to be based on any, you know, societal indicators, age, race, gender, sexual orientation, relationship status, immigration status, uh, familial status, like uh, income level, insert thing here. And so I think everything that I feel like I've experienced, if I can share it, you know, even something as small as like, if we're just in a conversation about something super random and I'm like, well, this is my perspective. You know, and it's funny because, you know, I've recently been playing around with like, this is how I feel right now, but this is how the more evolved part of me would like to approach this. Even if I'm just giving that to a friend, like I would you. <laughs> Those two responses are kind of interesting sometimes. They are. And there's a lot of value in being able to, one, move outside of myself and kind of take on a different perspective, but also knowing that you know, even the smallest of things can be valuable to somebody else. And I don't want to take away how impactful that could be because I never know what might be your flashpoint. That moment when it's like, oh, that, I don't want to take that from you. So that's a huge thing for me. I so enjoyed this conversation with Erica. There are always so many gems from us just being able to chat as friends. But when you add that extra recorded piece, you get to be a fly on the wall to our conversations. So I'm just grateful that we're able to bring these to you and to share with you in this way. And, you know, as Erica said, there's quite a bit that we would do differently. But I'm glad that we have failed spectacularly and it's led us to where we are today. And we've had some successes along the way too, but I'll tell you some of the best lessons have come from those failures and recognizing how we want to continue to do things differently. Being someone who, as far as uh, my human design, I'm a generator, but I'm also a three, five, 
which means I am here to experiment. I am here to learn from what does not work instead of what works. And so (laughs) those experiments and the things and lessons that we've learned from just life has provided so, so much insight for me to be able to come back to you every week and bring content that would not even have been on my radar in my 20s. And for that, I am grateful. For you listening to each episode, I am thankful that you are here and I appreciate you. Well, until the next episode, keep flaunting your fire. The Flaunt Your Fire podcast is brought to you by the wonderful brand I co-founded with Erica Corday, Pause on the Play. You can learn more about Pause on the Play's community, workshops, and implicit to explicit masterclass by visiting pauseontheplay.com. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?